on digital and on 88 to 91 FM. BBC Radio 2. Russell Brand. Russell Brand on BBC Radio 2. I'm here with Matt Morgan. Hello, Matt Morgan. You all right? Hello, Russell Brand. You're in charge of those switches, aren't you, running all the radio these show? switches. Yes, it's good, nice that you've got that kind of authority. Trevor Locke is also here. You're in charge of competitions and emails, I yes, understand. that's my job, yes. Good, good, good. Our resident poet, Mr G, is also here. He's the poet laureate of this show. Good evening, Mr G. Good evening. <laughs> what a lovely <laughs> introduction to all of us. So, what a week it's been for all of us, really. I, uh, I won a comedy award, didn't I, this week, Matt? No. Yeah, come on, you were there. <laughs> Don't belittle it. Don't pretend to have forgotten. It was a matter of days ago. What did you win? Best haircut? Best haircut was just one of the uh, most uh, salacious tabloid stories <laughs> of the year. Guess what? I did win. This is odd, actually. I won... Uh, yeah, I'm reluctant even to use the word shagger of the year um, from the Sun newspaper. Why? I mean, uh, the Comedy Awards newcomer of the year. Uh, that's what I won. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm the I'm jolly good at comedy. That's been acknowledged by the British Comedy Awards. But like later in the week, I got shagger of the year, and it's sort of it's a difficult award to receive. Mm. <laughs> it's like a top of my mum, like some of the awards I've won. I go, I go, oh, so I've won, you know, Time Out Comedian of the Year, GQ Most Stylish Man of the Year, uh, Loaded Magazine's Funniest Man of the Year, and The Mirror, Funniest Man of the Year, and uh, The Sun have awarded me with the shagger of the year there. And my mum was a bit, my mum went, Oh, well, you know, that's nice. That's nice that you've won um, Shag Shag. Oh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> she didn't want to say it. What, so, yeah. uh, and what do you get for that? You get a picture of yourself, like, you know, with a sun masthead across it. The sun, shagger of the... I mean, also, it's a, a word I, I find... It's a really unattractive bit of language, isn't it? Shagger of the year. Mm -hmm. I don't like that word. I'd prefer why the more... Why did you accept it? And, well, uh, why did I accept it? I think because it was an award. <laughs> 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 I think that's why. I don't know, you know, like, I guess I would accept pretty much any award offered to me. Will you use that ever to chat up women? Do you know, I was Shagger of the Year 2006. Um, uh, b before you say no, I can see you're backing away. <laughs> I'd just like to show you this framed sun front page with a mock-up of me. Also, it's it. not all about quality, is it? It's not like they send someone around to test you. Right, OK, well, let's see what you can do now. <laughs> Larry, you're brilliant. <laughs> Take down your trousers. Well, you seem very confident about something. <laughs> let's see you then, young man. No, I don't think so. I think it's about uh, stories that they themselves generate and then yeah. touch you on. <laughs> so like, no one's voting. I don't believe, no, people, they, you very much vote with your feet or with your pants, <laughs> I think, Trevor, in an award and who won last year? Lee that. Ryan, probably. I don't know, you're always you're obsessed with that lad out of blue, aren't you? No. You mention him nine or ten times. He's, he's always the shag with you. I don't know if he is. You're much more comfortable saying the name of it than I am, I notice. Shaker of the Year, you've said it several times. Um, so, but we, let's not get bogged down in that. We've got loads of things to do today. Uh, uh, Jeremy Nicholas is coming on this show. He's uh, the announcer at West Ham. He's also, he's a DJ, but also, like, when, like, if you go to Upton Park, you go, Welcome to Upton Park! You're all here to watch West Ham United versus Manchester United. Right, you know, uh, there's a car parked over there in the wrong place, right? He makes announcements and stuff like that. Whoops, he's good at it. He whoops up a lot of atmosphere. He's really brilliant. And he's been very supportive of this um, campaign that I've undertaken. Which to... you're frankly bored of. Yes. <laughs> I began a campaign to get uh, s uh, different songs sung on the terraces like, and uh, the, 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 we amongst ourselves contrived to have uh, Upton 
Upton Park, sung to the tune of Uptown Girl, and I've sort of, I've uh, sort of become. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Idiot. Awesome. I, I, I know, it's mad, because I've sort of Can't you hand off. it over to someone else? What, the campaign, hand over the reins yeah. to yeah. another <laughs> younger, more zealous campaigner? I suppose I could do, yeah. You're a shagger of the year now, you don't need exactly. that sort of thing. I've got a lot of <laughs> obligations. <laughs> it makes all the shagging worthwhile, to tell you the truth. When shagging. I see that award, I mean, thank God I put in all that time. I hate that, that word. So it's ghastly piece of language. Okay, we're also going to be talking about... Uh, masculinity and femininity, times you felt particularly at home in your uh, prescribed gender role, times you felt particularly masculine if you're a fella, or feminine should you be female, or, or vice either way. versa. Yeah, you could say, oh, I felt really masculine as a woman when, I don't perhaps you belched. I don't know what would go on. I don't know what would evoke these kind of things. Um, so, yeah, we'd like to know about your experience with that. You can email us at russell.brand at bbc.co.uk, or you can call 0500 288 291, or you can text us 8291. So yeah, get in touch with us because we're interested in your views. What about that at the Comedy Awards? That ludicrous snake business. Serpent. There was a serpent there. Because of the tenuous link between Matt Willis, uh, ex of Busted, lovely young man, uh, he king, now king of the celebrity jungle, they got Matt Willis out with a great big ridiculously long python. Uh, brought out by this fella in a chino suit. Oh. It didn't. It seemed to be torn between being a professional animal handler and sort of taunting the crowd with the snake, the way an unbalanced yeah. adolescent might use his own genitalia think... oh. to torment people at a party. Uh, a... An adolescent called Russell. <laughs> Who this adolescent is? <laughs> I fear that was no snake. <laughs> Running up to using the snake as a sort of a kind of a weapon. Oh, well, he, no, he event. looked like he wasn't. He'd literally just been given a pair of chinos in a sort of Steve Irwin style jacket, and he hadn't actually got any training with that snake. I saw him relish people being afraid of that snake. I saw him sort of run towards people like, "Oh, here we go!" In a yeah. sort of Keystone Cop with a and there was a snake bit where they moment. dropped it, and it was just like they dropped a roll of carpets. And Horrible business, really. You know. Sort of undermined the entire award, really. So we're talking about what we're talking about: masculinity and femininity. Times you feel, yeah, because when Elliot we put Holmes. those, when they had to put those suits on at the comedy awards, that's mm. what made me think of it. What, mate, what particularly? Uh, well, you know, it's weird, isn't it, putting on a suit when you don't normally wear a suit, but then when you do put it on, you feel sort of manly, and then you f and then everyone was passing around cigars, weren't they, afterwards? Yeah, what cigar, was, mate? Have a cigar. Yeah. A lot of self-congratulatory cigar passing around went on at what that about, award ceremony. Um, Julian Barrett from yeah. Mighty Boosh. There's a bit we've walked past Julian Barrett from Mighty Boosh. Like, he sort of went bustling by with Jonathan Ross and Noel uh, Noel Fielding, from, also from Boosh, and Courtney Love. And uh, they sort of all sort of went by, like, like an old had cigars, but for Courtney. And uh, Julian Barrett sort of pointing to his own cigar, self-consciously went, I've arrived! <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I'm living the dream! It's I, funny, because he was aware how silly it was. A lot of silly business. Um, we've got this email here, it says, Hi, uh, you're all right, says Charlotte. Uh, in the Daily Star yesterday, there was a picture of you of your hair all blown over, but I couldn't help but notice how glossy it looked and was wondering what you use because I have, tr I have to try everything, but I can't get my hair to that level of shininess. It just sort of that happens. was funny when we came out. By the way, well done on your award. You deserve it. Loads of love, Charlotte. That uh, photograph, Charlotte, to which you refer, was to me 
uh, encircled, corralled by um, paparazzi photographers, imprisoned in a, a sort of ring of flashbulbs, lost in the darkness. It was horrendous. Sort of came out of that comedy awards. There's all loads of paparazzi, loads of uh, like loads of bulbs go, sort of just going off, like loads and loads of flashes going off, and I was sort of blinded and lost and just had to stand still, being photographed in the middle of a street, and like was appealing but, listlessly for help. Help me. No, you went. It was funny because we were with Jack, who we were. With and I was there. He went, Madden Jack! Madden Jack! Like that. <laughs> it was really hard to see that. It's harassment. It's weird. Go but, um, moment, really. Uh, uh, P.S. My mate saw you at a football match but was too shy to speak to you. He said he would be happy to sing your chant and his friends would join in. That's lovely, but I've, oh. you know, and Jeremy Nicholas is coming in, the announcer from West Ham United, to have a bit of a chat with us. And, uh, the, you know, and I sort of think, oh no, I don't know if I've. I've certainly not got it in me to stand up and start singing that chant anymore. I've like, you know, I've in fact bought myself a hat so that I can go to West Ham now with some degree of anonymity, be a man in a hat. You've got to see it through to the end, though. To sing in Billy Joel songs. But it's not your job to sing it. You've came up with the idea. Right, yeah. Sit I've, back with your yeah. hat on your head and let the others sing. Once yeah. that's been sung at Upton Park, then that's finished. Exactly. Put that to bed then. I've also become inspired in the in the realm of campaigning because I saw this film, John Lennon versus the US, in which mm. it talks about uh, litigation that took place between John Lennon and uh, how they tried to get him, um, you know, sort of slung out, deported. And uh, it's made me think, hmm, it is good to start campaigns. And I thought perhaps uh, getting uh, West Ham fans to yeah. sing Uptown Girl was, uh, was aiming low. And now <laughs> I've decided to address it and think, wouldn't it be good if we were to overthrow the government? <laughs> well, maybe let's try that. Start a new system. I don't know. You've got to get your wings. Once you've got that song sung, and then that'll so? give you confidence. If and you I'm tired of trying to get a song sung out to parties, exactly. it's going to be difficult. Yeah. But then obviously the government will have a file on him. They'll see that he's powerful. They'll think, blimey. Hello. Well, don't weeks go, yeah. of going on about it, he's got some people to sing a song at a Who knows stadium. what he'll do next. But you wouldn't go straight to the government, you'd just try and overthrow a local council next. Right. And build up little by little. What's going on with my bins? Exactly. Yeah, okay, I'll start off, start off small. So we're talking about masculinity on the show today, or femininity, times you felt particularly at home in your gender roles. I, like, the thing is, right, I'm, uh, like, now that I'm, uh, I'm famous, aren't I now? That's happened. You are. Right. So, like, uh, that sort of, the, you know, that, that there's typically a, a women and children first mentality that pervades most cultures, right? That don't apply if you're famous, right? Because, like, say, if I'm with a makeup woman and wardrobe woman, who both in both instances my mate Sharon and Nicola, like, and there's stuff to be carried, they carry it. That's <laughs> <laughs> I don't like. Where typically I'm a man, I'd have to carry stuff. I don't like, you know, it's like being less than a child, yeah. or like sort of like the the way you would treat a, a, a woman in, a, you know, sort of a, a, in Elizabethan England, a lady, I suppose, mm -hmm. you know, so, oh, after you. What, so it's feminising, fine. Yeah, it's feminising, I guess, or even it, it like fantasizes you. But like the king would never have had to carry stuff, but it doesn't make him feminine. Yeah, I suppose not. I mean, but I just, but I mean, I just, it. it uh, somehow meddles with those traditional roles, gender roles, where you, uh, you'd open a door for someone. I try to do sometimes, occasionally, think, oh, blimey, come on, do remember traditional protocols, don't get so swept up in this that you're happy to be carried around in a sedan chair while your pregnant <laughs> makeup <laughs> artist <laughs> huffs around <laughs> immediately in front of you. I went and see her today, they've had that baby, like my makeup lady's just had a baby, it's a new little person. Ed covered in hair and everything. It's, got a, it it's got a real wig on, isn't it? It's proper got a right little wig. This baby. Got a bonnet. 
It's a lovely <laughs> little thing. It's good, isn't it? It sort of be becomes very focal if a baby's coming into the world. If a baby's in a room, actually, it becomes mm. the nucleus of that room. All sorts of instincts kick in. <laughs> I was a bit... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, he know, can't even talk. It's not doing anything, this baby, That's is she, it? Isn't it? What's it contributing? I don't know what it is, Matt, but its material is <laughs> awful. It's <laughs> <laughs> vomited and blew off a Diction couple of times. Falling. Come on, give us something, bring something up. Uh, did um, you feel masculine holding a baby? Yeah, I did. I worry about it. I'm not sort of, it's not an overly familiar What's that action. That's like the mime of holding a baby. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's the mime of cradling a baby in the crook of my arm. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm quite comfortable with it, you know, but it's sort of, like, it's not a repeated action. Like, this, like, if you think, like, you know, if you're a maternity nurse, you're always in that position, or if you're a mother, you're always cradling a baby. For me, I'm not used to doing stuff like that. Like, uh, the familiarity of brawling. You got yourself into a brawl last night, I didn't did, you, Matt? Got what happened in the back of the head? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> terrible <laughs> combative method you're using the back of your skull <laughs> <laughs> as a weapon. No, it's completely random. What ha what happened? Um, there was we came out of uh, we had that party our uh, the agent's Christmas party. Mm. Uh, came out. There was some. There were two blokes clearly trying to start a fight. With they were quite hard. Then people that enjoy fights, were they? Yeah, and they I were... worry about those. The people that enjoy fights, people that are going through life looking at like. So there are some people that are pregnant with battle within them. That's mm. just looking for a situation, looking to be pricked with conflict. I worry about them because one day, occasionally, you inadvertently cross their paths, and you go, "Oh no!" Yeah, no, they were a force just moving forward towards a fight with whoever. Didn't really matter. They were arguing with uh, a couple of friends of. Uh, and then, uh, and I was sort of all. Uh, we were walking off, and there was a lot of girls with us. And uh, I sort of went, "Oh no, hang on, what's going on there?" I just sort of clocked the situation. Then one of the girls with us went, "Oh, hey, stop it!" And the Drag, just, you mean like women do? I know I, they don't, don't like, understand how you, not to have a fight. No, they, like, they go, don't, so, "Don't do anything, don't do anything." Then yeah, they start what it. I don't like. Is it like this? Is one thing I've learned. If you're walking down the street with a woman, and behind you, you hear. <laughs> that do not turn around. Nothing. Oi is never followed with. I've got a bouquet for you. Yeah. Oi, I present you with Shagger of the Year award. Oi is going to be the next thing's going is you're going to be beaten up. Keep walking. Just oi, go, is, yeah. no good comes and, from oi. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, he turned around. He goes, walk on, mate, walk on. I said, I'm not involved. In good this. use of fighting language. Walk on. Yeah. Walk on. Stroll on. I'll march on you. Some yeah, of the best fighting he, language. And I, I, I didn't actually think he was going to hit me, and I just walked away, and then. Smack right in the back of the head. What a coward. And he was much bigger than me. And yeah. it um, just was a shock. I turned around and went, What? And then they were all running away. But the worst thing is, all the girls go, Don't, don't, and hold your arms. Yeah. So if he wanted to whip me again, I was completely just women off to. me. Yeah. But, well, you know. I think that's a, I think that's a genetic thing. I think women do that sort of as a deep-seated thing to what test, do you mean, to what, test to the it? male. They, they, it's she didn't have time to think about that. It's an instinctive thing. Start a fight. And then let's see how you perform. Oh, and then, get, then, get, then yeah, it is. Trevor, you think you? that women like, mean to start that a fight. second? She women didn't consciously Trevor. mean it. So you think that you think that women enjoy watching men fight? Of course. On a, t on a deep primal level. On a deep level. primal level. No, no woman would admit to it, and no woman would actually have that thought process. Trevor, that's a disgusting and sexist <laughs> thing you've just said. Let's see if that's true. If you are a woman and you enjoy seeing men, your, your life partner, <laughs> no. beating up in the street, they won't, they won't know they enjoy of electricity it. Right. In your they, groin. Won't, they won't even know they enjoy it. Right, okay, well, I think it's. I think that's a shocking accusation you've made there. Give us a call on 0500 288 291, or you can text us on 88 291 to tell us about how you stand. Not 
rather than stand by your man while he is also perpendicular, stand by your man while he's laying slouched and beaten and bloody on the floor just to test his credentials from an evolutionary perspective. I felt emasculated anyway. You must have felt emasculated by that. It's horrible. Horrible. When was the last time I got into a fight situation? It's because I was wearing those shoes that you got me and I'm very grateful for. <laughs> Don't blame the shoes! <laughs> the high heel shoe. You can't, oh, yeah. you've got no balance. They're right? not like rude. That's, that's emasculating anyway. They are those. I would have fought him but I was wearing high heels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're very lucky I'm in these stilettos, sir. Otherwise I'm back you the here. thrashing of your life. Ran after me hitting with my shoe. <laughs> Should have been terrifying <laughs> enough watching a man like you strutting around there in your slingbacks. Alright, let's have, uh, we'll have a listen to, th oh, have you got someone on the phone? There's someone on the phone. What is this human being's name? Adriana. Adriana from Suffolk. Oh, hello, Adriana. You all right, my dear? Hello. Adriana, <laughs> what's going on? I just heard a shout, hold on, old God. I hope she's all right. Adriana, hello. come to the hello. phone. Hello, dear. Are you okay? Yes, I just dropped the phone. Why? Why would a person do a thing like that? I was getting out of the bath and it was just so inconvenient. Hello. <laughs> Why are you in the bath? Oh, I was listening to you. I always listen to you in the bath. Do you? Oh, that's nice. Don't yeah. think of that. Don't let the radio fall in. It'll be oh, a terrible well, way to die. It'd be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. It would be a grim and needless death. Do you put, uh, if you're in the bath, do you put things like bubble bath and bath salts in there? Yes. Do you? I don't really like it myself. It makes the water feel a little bit slimy. I just like a sparse bath, like I'm sat in a Balkan prison cell, <laughs> or, or the room where a knife amnesty is being held, having a sort of a bath all cold, like the Birdman of Alcatraz. Or do you have all sort of perfume and unctions flowing about in there, do you, oh, Adriana? Of course I do, and I never think of prisons or anything, but now you've said it, I'm going to start being very worried. So. Yeah, well, just, you know, use those kind of images as part of your ablution routine. Now, well, when do you feel particularly feminised, Adriana, in what situations in life? Um, well, it, I think it depends on what gentleman I'm with. I mean, certain men just bring out the, the woman in you, don't they? Or I suppose so. That, are, you a, are you a single woman? I certainly am, yes. And there you are on a Saturday night bathing, yeah, listening to three goons <laughs> babbling on. All alone. It's very sad, isn't it? Not really. It sounds all right to me. So, uh, would you feel, say you're out in a CC, Trevor's just made an assertion that women like to see the, their uh, men tested physically in a fight situation. Would you agree with that? Say that you and I, Adriana, we were out on a date, perhaps mm. we're in, uh, I don't know, we're in Leicester, High, uh, High Street in Leicester, and uh, someone threw a chip at me. <laughs> would, you, would you go, oh, come on, Russell, just leave it, or you go, go on, grab his ghoulies! I'd go, go on, go for it, mate, go for it. Oh, yeah, a woman likes to see her man being rough and tough, sure. Yeah, I suppose so, Adriana, but, like, there's always a little test that runs through the mind of a man. Like, sometimes, like, sort of, if there's a, a potential fight is about to happen, someone might have bumped into you or said something, you sort of always look at them and think, right, could I realistically have this person? <laughs> and when the answer to that question is yes, you think, brilliant! An opportunity for some Clint Eastwood style showing off. Oh dear, oh dear, mate, you've put yourself in a terrible situation. But, like most of the time, in my case, about 90% of the time, I sort of think, oh no, he'd probably kill me. So, the, the truth is, if you believe you can do it, then you will do it. But the reason mm, I read you it say that, Adriana, yeah, but. That's right. for you to say. Often belief is an insufficient weapon, <laughs> particularly against a broken bottle, against a Midlands thug. No, it's, belief, it's a power in numbers, and the reason I was ringing you is because I suggested that you should stand for Parliament, because you probably know that it's really difficult to get young people to vote these days. So there's all that untapped young people that needs mm. a role model, and I feel it could be you. We could be the real Green Party, but with a little smidgen of sex sprinkled on top, and we could, we could take, uh, take over the government like you want to. Adriana, it's very lovely that you've waited 90 seconds into this conversation <laughs> to reveal that you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I couldn't get a word.
Reading Russell. <laughs> so it would have come sooner. Yeah, I mean, okay, I think I could be a good role model, yeah, but yeah. in a way I disagree with the entire political system and think we have to dismantle the machinery of democracy because it is part <laughs> of an illusion that keeps us docile. So, I mean, by standing for Parliament, I'd be encouraging it, wouldn't I? No, because you can only do it from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Do no it point. from the inside yeah. out. Mm -hmm. I didn't win Shagger of the Year by not knowing things <laughs> like that, dear. <laughs> Let me tell you, Adriana. <laughs> Um, okay, so, right, you think, right, use some sort of... I wonder how that would make me feel to become a political force. Will, will young people ever vote? Will young people ever overcome their apathy? Are they just waiting for someone? <laughs> Trevor Locke looks excited about something. Of course they vote for you. They, they you think a so? role model. I think you'll be Prime Minister if you want it. Well, I do actually want enormous power. Perhaps, look at Matt shaking his head. Why are you so cynical about my new life in politics Prime which Minister. has just begun? He wants it, Matt. There's nothing to stop this fella. Yes! What about that? Come on, Matt, it'd be brilliant. I'll give you a job. You can be in charge of culture or no, economics or something. Come well, on. I'll just sit quietly in my shed. Wait <laughs> <laughs> for Armageddon. <laughs> young, young people need a role model, and all they've got to vote for at the moment is middle-aged men. You know, it's, it's just no good. But, you know, you're just completely different, and, and a lot of people look up to you, and yet you should get in there, start a party. Okay. Yeah, but what will your policies be, Russell? Hold on a minute. I've only just got this political ambition. <laughs> started five seconds ago. Right. What I believe in is the old love and peace and lots of cuddling, the abolition of nationhood and currency, and uh, probably get rid of religion unless people can do it quietly without hitting each other. That's just the start. Well, that's there you go. That's your manifesto. Also, we've got to reduce the population. Now, that's going to be <laughs> ugly for the first 50 years. No, <clears throat> we'll do it just by, you're only allowed one child per couple. Oh dear, and we'll then, uh, do that one. The idea of family has to go out the window. We're all one family now. It's, you know, hey, I'm just that's riffing. Stupid. I'm just riffing. Yeah, that's good, that's good. What about these African tribes where mum means all the female members of the tribe and dad means all the male members of the tribe? They don't actually know who their nice. birth mum and father are, so it means the idea of family nice. I mean, it's more inclusive. So, all right, Adrian, you've started off something that you're going to regret <laughs> when a grim dictatorship of show-offs begins. <clears throat> Adriana, yes. it's lovely talking to you, my darling. Thank you, my love. You take care, and uh, um, we'll speak to you soon. Stay with the show. We'll, we'll dedicate a song to you later because you've uh, oh. started a very dangerous political machine in motion. You take care. You too. Bye. So, we've got another call here. It's young Ben. He's calling us from Bristol. Are you all right, Ben? Hello, Ross. Are you alright, mate? I'm alright, how are you? Yes, I'm in a good mood now. You've <laughs> certainly made me feel better. Did you hear the last call from Adriana there? Um, I heard the, st the start of it and just a little bit at the end, something about politics. What did you do in the middle? <laughs> well, I was talking to the mic. Hey, well, what were you doing? Talking to Mike, one of the people that... Oh, right, there's someone oh, that right. primes you, and I hope he probably told you, don't mention the preparatory call that you, <laughs> you just went for. That's probably... If it, Mike, one of the main things Mike would have said is, don't come on there and go, right, you've been groomed. <laughs> OK, Ben, so what are you going to... Are you going to talk to us about your times you've felt particularly masculine in your yeah, life? Yeah, um, at university, I've got, um, living with, uh, all lots of different people. What are they like, these people? Oh, not too bad. Mm, men, women? Both. I see. And, um, Saucy. What happens is a lot of girls come in my room screaming that there's bugs in their rooms. Wait, what do you mean? What? Uh, are you a spy? <laughs> 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 what are they, little cameras? <laughs> well, yeah. Insects, you mean, of course. Mm. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, they, they ask me to go and get them out, and it's usually a bee or a moth. <laughs> Usually a bee or a moth. Sometimes the bee and moth team up, they're incredible together. Tag team. Okay. Um, so then I go in there and realise I'm afraid of a bee or a moth as well. You're afraid of a bee oh, or a moth? Oh, also. Bees. Why are you afraid of the bees? Bees are, as we know, 
Yes, they can, but the bee's good. It will only sting you <laughs> if you're threatening it by yeah. trying to get it out of a girl's room or something. Wasps, of course, as we all know, evil, Nazi, evil, little insects. Nazi helicopters. <laughs> oh, the, the ghastly characters. Yeah, they'll sting anyone. Okay, so you feel masculine, masculine in that situation, of course. Yes, only feminine. when they ask me to. Sorry? Only when they ask me to, not uh, when I'm actually doing it. Oh right! In the moment that you're that you're giving your that you're, you're given that responsibility, you feel quite well, masculine. I'm flapping my hands around. You, listen, Ben, to you've out. got to. In my view, Ben, you've got to conduct this in a more masculine way. Yeah, you've got to. A bit yeah, you've got to approach this endeavour in a rather more butch fashion. Um, perhaps you should like I don't know, put something around your head, get some sort of John Rambo-esque apparel. <laughs> To carry this out, mind you, like Steve Irwin used to get his masculine kicks in a in a similar fashion, yeah. and it it led to all sorts of rhubarb, mm -hmm. as, as far as I can gather. So do be careful. Yeah. Watch those moths. And watch those moths. They can turn on you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, and also uh, Ben, while we're on the topic of uh, like Adriana suggested that we should start uh, a revolution by forming a political party aimed um, chiefly at the young and uh, try and overthrow the political establishment. Now, Ben, you are a young man who, at the moment, can't even overcome the tiniest of insects, <laughs> so I don't know why I'm trying to recruit you, but would you be interested in our revolution? Yes. Right, good. Are you, if necessary, prepared to kill? As far as my bug attacking personnel will allow me. Okay, Ben, we're going to need you to... Uh, what university are you at? Winchester, Winchester University? Yeah. Right, I believe the bloke who's in charge is called the Dean, isn't he? The what? Is it the Dean or the Principal at university? Oh, yeah, I think so, probably. You must kill him, Ben! <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to take him down and right. start a little 50-man Soviet there in Winchester. <laughs> perhaps, the, perhaps your motif can be a single bee yeah. pressed against your chest. <laughs> <laughs> that bee that denotes your bravery. Yeah. Hey, thanks for your call, young man. Andrew, Thank you, Russell. It's lovely talking to you. Stay and listening with us. We'll, uh, we'll be thinking about you and talking about you right. over the next hour or so. <laughs> Ta-ta, old bean. That's one of the classics, isn't it? The insect what? kill. The insect kill is a... I don't ever kill the insect myself. You do the glass and the piece I, of paper I take thing. him in my hands and then I release him like a sort of Dr. Doolittle or something. What, even if it's a wasp? Oh, wasp, I would usher out. I'd usher it out. With, <laughs> now, come along, you've had enough, young man. Perhaps give it half Nelson with its tiny wing. Opening jars is another one like that. Well, you, you feel butch when you open a jar. Someone goes, can you open that for me? And you open it. I asked the girl to open a jar for me the other day, and I knew while I was doing it. That That's it was a, tragic. I know, so I just thought, I couldn't tragic. be bothered. You I should just, lose uh, that shag with the ear title. That <laughs> <laughs> should be taken by an inquiry. <laughs> There's something afoot. Let's listen to something, uh, and uh, then we'll come back, and what will we jolly well do? We'll get, we'll get to the bottom of this masculinity thing. Trevor, you've not given any examples of how you feel. I think you're a third gender, Trevor. <laughs> I think you're not either masculine nor feminine. Christ alone knows what it is. What, what, if you were asked to read produce, I think an egg would probably emerge from your forehead. So, um... Morrissey's very masculine. For someone who's always, you mm -hmm. know, made out to be some sort of Camp Nancy boy, he's very yeah. sort of, he's big bovine bloke. Yeah, barrel-chested, kind of heroic, square-jawed sort of fellow, isn't he, yeah. Morrissey? Yeah, he is. Now, look, uh, the reason we got into this chat about uh, masculinity and stuff is because we both went and saw James Bond, Matthew and I saw, um, Casino Royal 
Or is it Casino Royale? Royale? What's the difference? Yeah, French. Well, one's a hamburger and one's, you know. Oh, Trevor, get hold of yourself, woman. So, okay. <laughs> so, uh, what, when I, I, what did you think about it, Matthew? What's your feeling about Jimmy Bond? It's a bit long and it's a bit well, stupid. That last 15 minutes was ridiculous. And the, I got the giggles when she said, Oh, James, even if you were just your smile and your little finger, you'd be more <laughs> of a man than anyone else or something. It'd be a ridiculous It'd man. It'd be stupid. It'd be a funny film, though. Yeah, there was that slug the man for a while. He was in, yeah, He'd be a I'd, finger bob. I don't see that going anywhere. Um, I, I've, he's an interesting male archetype, isn't he, James Bond? If you think of the different uh, permutations he's been through, first of all, Sean Connery had, he was, you know, he was a quietly menacing brute, wasn't he? Yeah. George Lazenby never really registered more. Roger Moore's the best for me. Well, he was the one from when we were growing up, wasn't he? But I think, you know, really, you want, James Bond's meant to be a ruthless, cold killer, and Daniel Craig has captured that, and he? He's like a vicious yeah, brute but he's of not a man. He's a bit sort of. I mean, he's, the Roger Moore thing was like, oh dear, don't want to oh, get involved. Oh, I'm so sorry. I said, yeah. killed you in the bottom. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, Daniel Craig's a bit of a. I don't know. He just seems a bit of a yobbo. Yeah, but I'd like him. I thought he did quite a good job. Yeah, of I it. thought it was good. He had sort of cold, dead eyes. I didn't like the bit where him and the accountant woman fro that was sent by the treasury did some sort of flirty mind game bit where, like, you know, where James Bond always has to flirt with someone, oh, flirt with the, the treasury, yeah, and they're sat on a train together, and he's going, well, I'd imagine that you grew up like this, dear, and that happened to you, and I bet yeah. you fell off your bike when you were a kid. Bet you failed your second proficiency. Bet you did. I bet you was embarrassed when you got back home, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I bet you had a wigwam in your garden, and you <laughs> was sitting if it was it was a feudal system. Yeah, so, like, I, yeah, I thought that was a daft way to flirt with him. Each other, that whole, the whole business, but it's undermined my masculinity terribly. The whole affair. Yeah, it was. It's, it's an odd film, really. We've got uh, Nikki on the phone from Bournemouth, who like cold-heartedly admits that she likes to see a, a man beaten <laughs> in the street. You're right, Nikki. I'm fine, thank you. So, Nikki, you are an animal health officer. What does that mean? Oh God, that means I, I don't know go why you have to involve and him. speak to farmers, check their records are done properly, check the animals are identified, that sort of thing. Right, okay, so, right, uh, how can we be sure this is Daisy the cow? <laughs> <laughs> is that, what, what, what do you have to do, just make sure they've got the right number of animals oh, and stuff? Oh, God, this is dull. Um, basically, if you ever see Could cows you not attack the, the radio show, show while you're on it? it <laughs> and it's an individual number that follows them through life, from farm mm. to death at the abattoir, basically. Like, so oh that God. because when they move through markets and everything, so there's complete traceability of food through the food chain. So you go, all right, so, so we don't have any more ghastly... Yeah. Plagues. Hopefully. That'd be nice not to have any more of them. Okay, so like by day you're a caring and professional woman. <laughs> to the then, animals, yeah. Well, to the animals, but when you're out on the date you expect to see vicious displays of masculinity no, on no, the streets of Bournemouth. I was listening and the chap that's with you said women secretly like it. Young and Trev, yeah. Admittedly, if it's in your honour, because if you're in a club or something... And in some... your honour? In a club? <laughs> I dropped a lacy glove and thankfully Gary elbowed him in the kidney. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do expect if someone, say you're a girl in the club and there's, you're with a fella and some other bloke knocks you or something and you go up to your fella and go, that bloke just did such and such to me. You do I hate women doing that. They all do it. Stop it. Leave us alone. <laughs> going, what, going, out, going back to your boyfriend and going, oh, that man knocked at the me. Moment. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you why, they're probably all laying in casualty awards <laughs> around Dorset, wheezing. I'm not saying this happens frequently. Hmm. But when it does happen, you get off on it. No, but to a certain point, you do expect a bloke to stick up for you in a club, don't you? Because it's yeah. a bit cowardly if they don't. 
Oh, Christ. I'm not saying they should all walk around beating each other up, I suppose it is a chief tenet of masculinity, the ability to defend one's territory and defend one's tribe and to defend one's woman. It it can be done in a certain way that isn't completely thuggish. Yeah, but, Nicky, the the example you gave was you're in a club and someone's knocked you and your poor bloke is over the bar. No, I'm not just saying knocked you, but if someone has been quite offensive to you and it's upset you... Give us an example. Has this ever happened in your life? Uh, well, you know, sometimes if you're a girl in a club and you're in a... I don't know, Nicky. I don't go out <laughs> in a frock. <laughs> sometimes I am sure? a girl in a club, actually. Hoping to be swept off my feet. <laughs> no, but if some blokes sort of grab you or some, you know, at the end of the night they're getting really arsy. Mm. And I have had it before and someone's... It is quite unfortunate someone's grabbed your crotch or something. You're like, well, you get off and they won't stop That's hounding what? you. Yeah. And you're with someone, you go, that, that bloke is really getting on my nerves and he won't stop hounding me. And what do you want to happen in that situation, you, once you've made that I would complaint. like him to go over and say, you know, not necessarily go over and lump him one, mm. but to go over and say, that that's my girlfriend, can you just leave it out, mate? You do want him to lump him one, don't you? I could not tell particularly, from your voice. but just, I'm just saying to stand up to him for you. Right. So you do feel, it makes you feel particularly feminine when you're around um, displays. Yeah, it's like a knight in shining armour, isn't it? Well, not really. It's like a, a, a knight in a shining shell suit with cider <gasps> spilling down saying? his chin. I don't go to those kind of clubs, thank you very much. No, I, no, no, Gordo. It's not a judgment on you, Nikki. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, uh, fair enough. A man sticking up for a woman's honour, I'm saying. It doesn't mean they've got to go over and lump someone, but you, it is nice to be with a man who's a man that will stick up for you in times of trouble. Yeah, well, Matt very recently was nearly... What happened to you when you... Didn't you uh, brush past a woman in the club? She went to her boyfriend. That fella touched me. He touched me on the boob. No, she tried to chat me up, and I wasn't interested. She tried oh, to well, chat I you up. Oh, well, I didn't do that. I'm not talking about that. And then she tried to turn things around and get her boyfriend to beat me up. <laughs> I <laughs> talked it around. Sounds like a lovely evening. Sounds Ni- like a nice club, mm. Nikki, thank you very much for your time, my dear. Thank um, you. You've given us a lot to think about, and I, for one, now feel that if I don't have at least three or four fights a week, I'm no, something no, less than a man. That. I was just yeah. talking about men being men and sticking I might as well be Larry Grayson now. I'm probably going to march straight out of this studio and just kick someone in, in their groin. Thank you very much, my love. And we'll, uh, you know, we shall bear in mind your words. I'm only joking. Thank you. Your opinions did reach us. Take care, Nikki. Oh, Christ, she's gone. She's, she's probably... She, Nikki, she's... Why did she not respond to that? Just heard you laugh. Sorry. Right, bye, Nikki. <laughs> That's weird. She probably... Uh, what happened was there is I wasn't uh, masculine enough towards the end of the conversation. She thought I weren't worth bothering with anymore. Yeah, she yeah, probably thinks she... She's still, she's still there. there. <laughs> God, there I go. There went old Nikki. She was a lovely girl. This is the Russell Brand on Radio 2. So engrossed are we in our chat about gender roles that we very nearly forgot that we were on radio. Hey, listen to this from uh, Sarah. She said, I was, she says, I was shocked and disappointed by Trevor Locke's archaic views on the subject of masculinity and femininity. Did you know there's a branch of sociology that says these roles are actually just social constructions invented to keep people under control and docile, as Russell says. Obviously, there are other biological categories, but they don't necessarily correspond to certain ways of behaving. Oh, they do, don't they? I think, like, for, I mean, if you're, like, if your biological role means you're going to have to carry a child, certain behaviours are going to have to support that. So, um, okay. Uh, The ideas of masculinity and femininity have been passed down through many generations and are continually reaffirmed and enforced through culture and the media to the extent that we believe they are innate when in fact they are not. According to this view, gender is performative. It's something we do, not an expression of what we are. 
It's a sort interesting, Sarah. You're a lovely little salt, Sarah. It's <laughs> a cracking view, darling. You're a nice one, sweetheart. She's a, she's a smashy looking bird and all. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that some of that's true, but like if there's a certain biological imperatives that are defining, then there would have to be Absolutely. behavioral imperatives Absolutely. to match those, right? So, like, uh, if, like, being a man, of course, I'm never going to get heavily pregnant, so I don't have to worry about mm. being particularly nurturing. I can become a, be a right cad if I'd like. Um, but Sarah, you do raise an awful lot of points. I'd just like to say that Trevor Locke isn't traditionally a sexist man. No, I, I agree with some of her points. Like G was saying earlier that uh, when he DJs and there's a turnaround record where the girls are supposed to ask the boys, the girls never do it. But when I was in Peru, uh, the girls came up to ask me to dance and two girls actually had a fight, a physical fight, because they couldn't agree who'd asked me to dance first. So that's an example of what she's talking about, about how the gender roles are different in different These cultures. These roles are not absolute in different cultures. Exactly, yeah. the, the roles vary. Though what astonishes me most, Trevor, is the idea of two women on this planet being interested in dancing <laughs> what are the anywhere chances? near you. I know. Extraordinary. I can only assume it was a dance taking place in a lunatic asylum. <laughs> Here, here's a message from uh, Charlie, who, who says he he takes uh, a night class in arc welding and because it the spelling of the name charlie here is ey we don't i don't know whether charlie is a man or a woman but i think charlie's on the line hello charlie hello you are a man indeed i am yes and what a man charlie <laughs> yes. charlie 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 what are you learning about a hot welding for it's it's, it's the it's the melding of of of, of, of elemental uh Elements. So, uh, are you, uh, <laughs> am I to assume then, Charlie, you're undertaking this welding course as a, some sort of intellectual exercise? Uh, no, quite the opposite. W why? It's practical. You want to be a welder. Yeah, the ladies love it. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> so you're doing it to impress birds. Yeah, I, I carry my boiler suit around in the back of the car. Is a it... nice pair of gauntlet weld gloves. Is it the, the, gauntlets? That's what we should be wearing. Mm. Gauntlets. You'd like to go around wearing gauntlets, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you really have to wear those masks and everything, or do you think you could get away with welding a bit more freestyle if you really wanted to? Uh, yeah, you could. You'd end up with a wicked suntan, but... Really? Uh, yeah. Tell me this, Charlie. Since you've undertaken this masculine pursuit, have women found you more attractive? No. <laughs> it's been completely ineffectual. I suppose you don't really meet many women on a welding course, do you? None. No, there's a lot of men. Right. All trying to pull women. Did the film Flashdance inspire you to go on this course? Um, yeah. In a, a way. <laughs> right, well, okay. It's a great, I mean, it's great imagery, isn't it? Kind of like molten steel just sparking all over the workshop. You are the most effeminate welder. I've <laughs> 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 spoken to my molten steel. Just me in my boiler suit. And we're down, down, down. Charlie, you've given us a lot to think about, but guess what, right? Like, this is at best a parochial chat that we're all having, and we've got to go to the news. So we've got to say goodbye to you, Charlie. Thank you very much for your call, mate, and I think you're ever so butch. And if I was a lady welder, I'd be all over you. Take care, old me. We're talking about masculinity, femininity, gender roles before that. We had the news later on in this show. We're going to be talking to Jeremy Nicholas. Um, like because uh, earlier, earlier on this run of Radio Two shows, I made the decision to start a new campaign of football chants, and uh, which I've I've now decided to to reignite because I've bought uh, I've bought a hat specifically so that I can be more anonymous at West Ham. Thinking at some point I'm going to be pressured into singing Uptown Girl, <laughs> possibly alone. No, probably wise for me to purchase a hat. 
that. But like Jeremy Nicholas is here now, perhaps he can uh, re-inspire me, and make me feel a little bit confident in that entire notion. And in fact, that whole idea of football, uh, of um, sort of Terry's culture, in fact, has become an emblem of masculinity. Not only to me, I think culturally that's what it represents. But like, to me, that's what I think. Uh, I think that I wanted to. Uh, I think I wanted to infiltrate that world and get football fans singing a song, Uptown Girl, which, let's be honest, is a, a little bit of a camp song to get them to sing in a way to make myself feel more accepted yeah. uh, on, on the terraces. I thought, to undermine I, them, basically. If I thought, well, I can't, yeah, it's sort of yeah. undermine that. It's a sort of, you know, if, uh, you know, mountains and Mohammed, that kind mm. of mentality. Perhaps I'll feel more accepted. If I'd, I've, I don't feel accepted as part of uh, of a masculine culture, but if I can make masculine culture just a little bit more, a little bit more camp, just a little more saucy, perhaps I'll feel more at home. So Jeremy's going to be here in a minute, and uh, like he's already, bless his heart for this, played Uptown Girl at half-time uh, during West Ham's game v Sheffield United, so perhaps he'll make further contributions, perhaps he'll play somewhere over the rainbow or something <laughs> um, at tomorrow's game against Man United. Interesting week for me in that I got to meet Terry Wogan. Did you? Interesting to meet uh, an icon such as Terry. Great big edifice of a man. Big. Larger than you'd expect him to be. Yeah, and it's astonishing to hear that voice that you're so accustomed to mm -hmm. hearing across the airwaves that, or coming out of your TV set to have hear that in a conversation. Oh my God, that's Terry Wogan to him talk because you only normally hear him giving radio content mm -hmm. to hear him talking about things that's ordinary. It's intriguing. Even better to hear the man say the F word. <laughs> As I met him at sort of briefly at sort of a, a Radio 2 function for the press. It was a very modest affair. And um, Terry Wogan, yeah, sort of um, Leslie Douglas, the controller of Radio 2, goes, oh, come on, Russell, meet Terry. And he was sort of talking to someone else. I goes, no, this wait a while. I don't want to be taken over there to meet Terry Wogan and it to be sort of a bit half-hearted because Terry's too busy talking to someone else. I'll wait till there's a moment, till he's bored stiff, till I'm the alternative between is he going to be talking to me or stare in the space. Then, then I'll strike. Went over. He was very, he was very sweet. Gave me. I thought how I shall treat this conversation is an opportunity to get advice. And so I just went, oh, what should I do, Terry? How should I go about being a broadcaster? He said, um, don't, you don't have to. I goes, uh, I goes, Chris Evans and Jonathan Ross and Steve Wright have all told me be yourself. He goes, don't be yourself, but be true to yourself. Very good advice. Enigmatic. Isn't it? Oh. Don't have to be. You don't have to be yourself. Did he look you up and down and go, don't? Be yourself. <laughs> don't, don't be on radio. Don't. <laughs> just just go don't. Home and don't. <laughs> yeah, it, it was good. Words of wisdom from mm, Terry He's Wogan. a hero of mine. Is he? Oh, yeah. He's a master broadcaster, both yeah. on television and on radio. Very, yeah. very droll, very funny, very clever, quick. Yeah, I always liked the vibe he brought to Eurovision. Mm, it's good, yeah, isn't it? He definitely. reached out and touched us. Mm -hmm. mm. He realised that it were all rhubarb. So, um, hmm, masculinity, femininity, when we thought, like, I mean, see, me, I've been in quite a lot of fight situations because I'm an unusual character. I get into more fights, not actually lately, thank heavens, but when I was younger, more fights than you might expect for someone who don't build, I don't build my identity around I'm good at fighting, but none, I still get into a lot of fights, I used to get into quite a lot, and, um, you know, they never turned out particularly well. I won a few fights, and, uh, you, know, you know, from the women we've spoken to on this show, they, that's something they appreciate. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt a flush of incredible pride in fight-winning situations. Well, we said, I won a few fights. <laughs> I won a few. <laughs> yeah. In my fight record, uh, there's a few TKOs, many KOs, couple of draws, few points decisions, and a hell of a lot of grim, grim defeats. 
out there. Um, like, sort of, I had a fight in a pub once with this bloke, and it was a, like this. It was the same pub that I was eventually banned from because I was, I was drinking tequila in the pub. It wasn't that I'd not bought in that pub. I was drinking tequila from the bottle, that, which you know is quite butch, I suppose, in its way. It's quite a masculine thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the barman goes, uh, he goes, you're gonna have to stop drinking that tequila or leave this pub, or I'm gonna call the police. And I said. Go for your guns. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, go, go for your guns. I said, really ridiculous. Why did you say that? Where did you pick that up from? Films. I think. That's not even clear film. what you mean. Well, sort of things, I meant like... call the police. Then I don't know if that came across in Go That's for Your Guns. Weed, you little Chris Tarrant. <laughs> Those are your options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or B. So, um, you know, so I can see the appeal. You're uh, about the rise of the beard. Oh, yeah. The beard coming back, and there's a picture of you in there with lo- loads of different, like, Daniel Craig, actually, he's got a beard in the next mm. film he's in, uh, saying that, you know, having a beard is now de rigueur and cool. Oh. But um, that's a masculine thing, isn't it? Having a beard. I suppose so, but we, it does rather feel like we're scrambling around for masculine traits. <laughs> you're so, you've not you've stopped a beard, haven't you? growing out of your face. <laughs> you're too lazy to shave. That's always good. Well done. How ragged of you. We're talking about um, masculinity on Radio 2 here. Not masculinity on Radio 2. Incredibly masculine <laughs> radio station. Terry Wogan, have you seen what he's got going on under that shirt? Masculine brute. Uh, hey, Russell, says Sue. Just wanted to say, and this is a very succinct approval of the idea of primal masculinity. Just wanted to say I have in the past been more impressed by a man who defended my honour as opposed to ones who didn't. Lots of love, Sue. There oh, we are. There we are, Sue. There. Well done, Sue. Thank you very much. And then Helen says, I agree with Trevor that on a base primal level, women women have to find the man who'd best defend the babies and bring the most food back to the cave. <laughs> yeah. Where's the food? If you've not brought it back to the cave, I'm left. So sorry, I got caught up. There was a mammoth. I thought it was a lovely creature for a while. I serenaded it and dropped all the shopping. But it's evolved into fronting up each other in the street to prove their masculinity. Have any of you three ever got into a fight with each other, or nearly? No, not really. I don't we think so. We had a camp fight once. Oh we? yes, right. Actually, we were in a cab, and uh, Matt pulled my hair. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, that was. No, I was sitting behind him. I pulled his hair, and sort of just because I was, uh, you know, when you're in a people carrier. It was oh, a yes. stupid thing. I just sort of went like that, but we what went over a bump. What did being in a people carrier mean? Because I was sat there. behind. I was sat behind. Not a sort of went Doop doop on your hair, but we went over a bump. So yeah. I pulled it too hard, and he turned <laughs> and spat at me. What? <laughs> 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 I wasn't there. Ridiculous. That was pretty, yeah, pretty that's tragic. Got, we get on quite well most of the time. This is from Kimberly. I totally disagree. There is nothing more embarrassing than a guy trying to be overly masculine by causing a scene in the bar. Women don't need protecting. A man should just express his love in a way that doesn't have jealousy written all over it. Yes. Okay, fair enough, Kimberly. Thank you very much. That's very, very sensible. And then she says nice things about see, a reading in a magazine that I said for the entire month of March. I'm going to just wear roller skates and a t-shirt with no trousers and skate <laughs> around. I'm out. Sometimes I give... What, in- next March? Yeah, so, so, yeah, they say, predictions. yeah, they go, what's it going to be like for you next year? I go, well, throughout March, I'll be wrong. I just <laughs> say things and then I have to read it written you down. You should go by that. I think you should, mate. Okay, just roll the skate yeah. around. About the 3rd of March, it'll yeah. get, become tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> I regret ever having made this pledge now, in retrospect. Right then, so, yeah, so ultimately, I th- what have we learned about masculinity? I think that, I think it, I'm quite glad that I'm an androgynous sort of a fella, really. That's, that's what I've come oh. to as a conclusion. 
I've learned this about femininity. Go on. There's a perfume out called Insolence. Yeah. That's stupid, isn't it? What? They've run out of feminine words. Insolence. <laughs> Insolence. Like, you know, Insolence. answering back to a teacher. There's a <laughs> perfume of it now. Is it for a man or a woman? For a woman. How's it being advertised? Insolence. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Insolence. I keep Ooh. seeing it everywhere. I feel really insolent. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm vaguely disrespectful well, as yeah. a perfume. I don't know what that smell would be. Other perfumes are available, obviously. Probably ones that are more appropriately named. Yeah, that's a, a ridiculous name for a it's perfume. It's really weird, isn't it? It's a non Insolence. Indifference. Yeah. <laughs> Ennui. <laughs> yeah. That's just because it's, they probably like the sound. But insolence is just a word from school. Don't be insolent. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, obviously the word has a broader connotations, but none of them particularly applicable to a scent. I mean, the smell of insolence probably would be a wee that you've done <laughs> over the teacher's desk. <laughs> and I, I can't imagine that selling particularly well. Yeah, I suppose it has a certain music to the word. Yeah, it's a nice word. Insolence. But, you know, I don't know, sort of, you, you could get into the onomatopoeia of blow-off or rat-a-tat-tat. You know, neither of them would be particularly yeah, good perfume that's names. That's what I want for Ins Christmas. Insolence is sexy, though, isn't it? It is. It's a little bit. If, if you're, if someone's a little bit insolent, it's a little bit. You know, it's, it's nice, isn't it? What was that perfume, Trevor? Yeah, the, the, the whiff of insolence drifting. Oh, if I saw, oh, I can smell the insolence in the air. <laughs> but eternity <laughs> doesn't smell of anything, does it? Yeah, but that's a nice word. And it's abstract as well. Eternity. It evokes the idea of our endlessness, the infinite, limitless possibilities, the eternal nature of love. When our love. Uh, when we die, our love will live on, at least oh, the concept of love will live on. Nice. Whereas insolence, oh, oh cheeky, might as well have a perfume called, oh, cheeky, <laughs> oh, you pinched my bum, <laughs> as a perfume. That's ridiculous. Who's it being aimed at? I think it's aimed at teenagers. Fair enough. Might have been all right for them. I know it's kind of best. insolence? Yeah. No, it's not. It's, well, it's, it's all like black and white and Italian and sexy. Yeah. Oh, no, right. uh, Callum Best's got a perfume out, and it's called simply Callum Best. It's called Callum. It doesn't Callum. smell of him, though, does it? Oh. It smells bizarre. We smell it. <laughs> <laughs> it smells of about a minute because he goes, Oh, they let me design the box and everything. And they let me, and then and you think, No, they didn't. And then you see it and you yeah, think, yeah, they Oh, God, off. they did. <laughs> and then you smell it and then you realise it's about four different aftershaves all mixed into one, yeah. painted purple. It stinks. Mm. Like if you draw a picture and the picture's quite good, you keep going back to it and go, oh, I'll give it glasses, I'll give it a new haircut. <laughs> oh, I'll just put a raspberry in here. Oh, that would be nice. I'll just stir in a bit yeah. of brute. Yeah, it's gone. Imagine that well for about well. a year and that's what you've ended up with. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Callum Best perfume, I'm sure, is jolly nice. I don't want to criticise it. He's a nice enough it's lad, not. isn't he? No, I didn't like the smell of it. I wouldn't want to go around wearing it. All right, then, um, yeah, let's listen to some music. What are you going to listen to, Matt? Uh, the Fall, Folding Money. Folding. Why are you it's called about F that? Because it's hard to say. Cause it's F olding money. F olding money. Don't know what, what Marky Smith's going on about. That's the way he sings it. But olding money. The folding money. Well, and it's spelt like that as well. Yeah. Can't you see it on the little screen? Oh, there is no little screen. Got no little screen. screen. Oh, no, man. That's why the radio show has these junctions where I have to go. What are we listening to, Matt? I, I don't know why I've never gone to turn that screen round. It would make life a lot easier. We've got young Scarlett on the line. Hello there, dear. You all right? Yeah. Thanks. Well, you sound quite official. That's, I mean, <laughs> I don't like to leak to conclusion. I've only heard two syllables uttered by you, but you sound already an efficient young lady. How old are you? I'm 15. Right, you're 15. Now, what are you ringing us to discuss, my dear? Um, well, I 
texts in about um, the whole masculinity, femininity thing. Oh, that thing. Oh, it's yeah, been dividing us thing. for too long. Why don't we all just dress up all daft and forget about our differences, men, women? <laughs> oh, I don't know, it seems silly. Okay, so you're a young woman. You're yeah. on the precipice of adulthood. How, how do you feel about the, the role prescribed to you by society as a young woman? Are you happy as a young woman? Is there yeah, anything you'd like to change? I'm happy. Oh yeah, and what about with what about young men? The way they treat you, are you happy with that? Um, yeah, no, <laughs> on the whole. <laughs> Would you like things to be different? Would you like men to go around, for example, say you're uh, outside a minicab office, and uh, there are some skinheads. One of the skinheads spits near you. How do you want your male consort to respond to this? Well, you like to feel like you're being protected. Mm. You like them to defend you. Cause it it kind of makes you feel good, like they like they think you're special, you know. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does make sense, Scarlett. But um, okay, that does place an obligation on uh, the male in your company. Yeah. Like, he might feel frightened, and like, <laughs> he might want to just scurry beneath your petticoats or leap into your handbag. Yeah. Um. But if. Like... <laughs> Say you was out of a man, right, and like a uh, a girl got chewing gum and put that chewing gum in that man's hair, would you perhaps consider giving a Chinese burn to the administra admin the girl that administered the chewing gum? Of course. You would? Yeah. Are you, I... are you not afraid of physical conflict? Well, if they'd done something to, like, your boyfriend, friend or whatever, of course, you'd want to defend them back. Can you see how the extrapolation of this argument leads to conflict all over the world, Scarlet? <laughs> How the, the yeah. situation in the Middle East has grown. But you have the, the right to defend yourself. Oh no, I suppose you do, I suppose you do, but uh, it's just I feel, what I worry about is you coercing some teddy boy boyfriend into a, a needless brawl. That's, that's, that's no, what I worry about. No, you wouldn't want that. No, that's the last thing any of us need. Right, so earlier in the show there were mention of us starting some a political party based on very loose and ill-considered ideologies. How do, you, how do you feel about getting behind a, a whooped-up and uh, ill-conceived mantra? Well, it's always good fun. Why not? Right, okay, Scarlett. We've already enlisted three or four people over the course of this show. Um, most of them, the sort of, I think, like you, with your knee-jerk attitude towards violence, could be a useful member of the cause. Yeah, why not? Scarlett, it's lovely talking to you, sweetheart. You go to an all-girls school in Wimbledon, do you? Yeah, I do. Is that all right? Is that what's that like? Um, it, it's all right, but oh, girls are horrible. Are they? <laughs> It's true. How do you mean? What do you mean? Lots of uh, backbiting. Yeah, I mean, you hear about the arguments between boys, but m the ones between girls just—they're not physical so much, but they're so much worse. A lot of psychological cruelty. Yeah, rumours and things. They—they they can just—they have a lot more power than most people think. Lots of rumours and skullduggery, right? Uh, if you yeah. are, what's it, Wimbledon High School for Girls that you go to? Right, if, you, if there are any other people that attend, well, I suppose girls that attend, I, I was rather loose there, if there are any other people, if you are a 50-year-old man and you're attending Wimbledon High School for girls, check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you're a girl at Wimbledon High School, for, come on, stop the rumours. They're, they're damaging. <laughs> uh, they'll never stop. The rumours have got to stop, Scarlett. It's lovely talking to you, sweetheart. You take care. Yeah, you too. Okay, so it's been a lesson for us all in uh, the nature of gender and sit this evening. 
Trevor, you look puzzled. Well, I think the, the thing is that if you're a man, you've got to bring something different to the partnership, and if you're a woman, vice versa. It doesn't always have to be protection, but that's usually what it is. But you, if you can bring something else, that's fine. As right. long as you can bring something. So that, modern that dance. Got. <laughs> if that, she can't dance modernly, you've got to do it. If you should live in a society by now where you don't have to protect each other. Exactly. That's a shame, isn't it, that we've not evolved to it, yeah, to the point where protection is so high on our agenda. Yeah, that is, that is a bit of a worry. Listen to Russell Brand on Radio 2. I'm here with Jeremy Nicholas, who, to me, you are known as the announcer at West Ham United, but you do radio and stuff like that, do a bit of radio, you? a bit of television as well, yeah. Been doing it for ages and ages, yeah. I mean, you've worked with amazing people in radio and stuff, Amazing you? people, <laughs> Chris Morris! <laughs> I can see Chris Morris and Chris Evans on the list. Oh, right, yeah. No, Chris Morris, Chris Evans, yeah. Stuart Hall. St amazing some, some people. legends, yeah. Let's talk about those people a little later, but okay. so, firstly, the reason that, that, that you're here, Jeremy, mm. is because I started that campaign to uh, enliven the terraces uh, with new adaptations of modern songs, uh, and we pushed way too hard yeah. to get uh, Uptown Girls sung at Upton Park, and you, beautifully, you played it, didn't you, against Sheffield United? Someone told I me one of my mates was there and said, that Uptown Girl was playing. Well, I met you in the toilets, didn't I? Yeah, that was a lovely meeting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all my best relationships begin in lavatories. I wasn't quite sure why you were in those toilets because they're why? like because they're like the official toilets for like members of staff and things. Why were you allowed in there? Well, I've got a lot of clout. Uptown yeah. <laughs> Park. Why don't you use the normal toilets? What normal ones? The ones that's for <laughs> terrifying men. You're <laughs> not on your Nelly. The ones for the fans, like you claim to be. Oh, Jeremy. <laughs> why are you in the, the toilets? I'll tell you why. Because when I get like, right, I made that mistake recently. Like, sort of po I, was, like, I was always able to go to West Ham, like, untroubled and unruffled, right? Yeah, you know, even and then all of a sudden you get troubled now. All of a sudden I became yeah. notorious, right? And so it's different, like, you know, that's one thing that someone said up to part. Like, you know, you never used to come <laughs> here. Because I did, you didn't recognise me. I wasn't famous. You were like, I you think know, West Ham fans should, famous here, should say to you when they see you, why don't you use the normal toilets? Is it because of camera phones and you're worried that people will snap I'll you? Tell you? Well, right, this is what happened the last time I used the uh, normal toilets at West time where I was on the route to those toilets, yeah. I had to, like you know, loads of uh, like uh, getting photos done, autographs, stuff like that, which mm -hmm. I don't mind. That's uh, nice. That makes that's good for myself. I, I have the same thing when I try and go to the loo at half time. Yeah, I, I mean, well, you're a very striking man, Thank and you. also you should know that when at Upton Park, Jeremy never wears trousers or pants, <laughs> so <laughs> it does attract attention. That's just one of the consequences. Uh, so, like you know, at one point, sort of, I had to prove my allegiance and my credentials as a fan, like you know, as a fan. Like some people, like uh, like they sang, like you know, I've got a few chants directed at me, which yeah. I absorbed with. Good Grace while signing autographs, <laughs> taking photographs, etc., etc. Then eventually, Russell gives a song. Russell, <laughs> Russell gives a song, and I was able, of course, uh, to uh, do a, a lovely verse of "We All Follow the West Ham over land and sea." Right, I did that, and, and like, uh, thankfully, it was a, a word perfect rendition. Got me out of that tricky situation. But the whole journey, right? Then after that, uh, Bobby Zamora scored, yeah. and like, and it sort of it was like the affection that was administered to me at that point. But the, uh, the was an affection I could frankly do without, sort of like a, an overly aggressive cuddle that you might give to a dog. Is that the 14-year-old girl you sit next to? <laughs> <laughs> no, Rebecca, young Rebecca. She, <laughs> she was not involved in that. This was in like the in the, like, oh, sort right. of in the stadium on the way to the lavvy. Right, right. So like, so, Way, big beery celebrations took place. I was I was jostled. So you'd the word during, during the game while we scored. Time, and oh, because right. it took so long oh, to okay. sign all the autographs and photographs. Jeremy, I don't know why you're conducting this like an investigation. <laughs> I've not done anything wrong. No, it's just 
constantly an innocent man. I d- what nay, I don't want innocent fan. is that my toilets then get a queue of celebrities using them. And Why that- are you considering your toilets? Are you doing drug deals in there? No, that- What's going on? That's the official toilets. That's just where the big knobs hang out. Oh, fuck <laughs> you, Jeremy. You were Matt Morgan there. I liked it. That's the first chuckle he's issued all day. We've got some emails for you here, Jeremy. Jeremy is a legend, say Dave, Nicola, Paul and Sarah. The four of us are sitting around a laptop next to a fjord in Bergen, Norway, listening to this, waiting to hear his booming announcer voice. Right, well, I've, this is interesting, that they're in Norway, yeah. and like, if you sort of think of Norma- Norway, what is the one thing you think of? Oh, fjords, I suppose, and their flag, and that's it. Right, and they're next to a fjord. I don't believe them. They're, they're no, he is, it is. I'll tell you why, Is because Dave plays a character called Cliff, who's a piano player in my pub quiz podcast. Oh, you know him? Yeah, Dave Cheeseman. It is Dave Cheese. Yeah, he's a musician with a band called Pillow Talk. You're a very good investigator. Yeah, but, and he plays like a Cockney piano player. Although this email Cliff. has been undermined, as it's essentially coming. You know, what's this one? This one says, okay. I love Jeremy, but that is from Mrs. Nicholas, your mother. Oh, is it? No, it's not actually, oh, mate. Right. I just thought, you know, that perhaps all, <laughs> if all these emails are directly traceable back to members of your immediate circle. There's another Mrs. Nicholas now, because I got married four weeks ago at West Ham. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Was that a, a lovely event? It was lovely, yeah. You got married on the pitch, did no, you? No, everyone always says on the pitch, they won't let you get married on the pitch. Not, with, not with the high heels and everything. Well then, without than that, it's just a building. No, but, it's in the Carlsberg suite, reception right. in the Bobby Moore suite. Other photo are available, other suites are available. Photos <laughs> in the dugout. And then we really? did a lucky lap of honour around the pitch, which was great. A lucky lap of honour? <laughs> a lucky lap of honour, yeah, and I specified it had to be clockwise. Why? Be, because if it had been anti-clockwise, we might have slumped in form. It would have been an anti-lucky. <laughs> this an was four weeks ago, remember. A so lap it, of dishonour. It's worked really well. Marriage is going well still, Jeremy, is it? Marriage is going fantastic. Oh, good, yeah. well, I'm very happy. Now, here's, look, here's another email, for, probably from one of your close friends, Liam Tyrell. Do you know Liam? No. Good. I wasn't at the Wigan game, but I was told that Jeremy introduced our new Icelandic owner as Maggot Egmundson instead of Egget Magnusson. Is no, that true? No, that's absolute rubbish. Would you ever consider? Do you ever abuse your power as the announcer at football? I state? certainly would never do a spoonerism. <laughs> spoonerisms you would ignore. Yeah, no, I have, I have been told off a few times. Have you? When um, when we played Coventry and one of their players scored an own goal and I announced it really enthusiastically. Did you? Yeah. Third goal for West Ham scored by Richard Shaw. Wow, that is that voice. Com- That's the voice I'm used to. You Coventry do a slightly complaint. different voice, don't you? When Di- you're in slightly the- different voice. Well, when you went into that, was your announcer yeah, voice? Yeah, we played goal for West Ham scored by Richard Shaw. Yeah, you, rubbish. Do you, the announcer voice. You wouldn't hear me above it. Goal for West Ham, scored by Richard Shaw! Lovely! Oh, we're there! <laughs> well, apparently, if it's an own goal, you meant to go, oh, sadly, one of the Coventry players has put it through his own net. Oh, well, better luck next time. Well, you're meant to intone <laughs> meant the to, negative meant, connotations meant of it. You're meant to kind of go, oh, we're almost embarrassed to take the points, but Ooh. tough luck, Richard. It was a cracking diving header into his own net, though. Yeah, okay, well, you were right to comment yeah, on it. Yeah, it's a few seasons ago. You probably weren't supporting us then. <laughs> Jeremy, are you a West Ham fan yourself? Yes, I have been since I was six. Okay. Well, no, but we've got, look, because there's lots of celebrity fans, aren't there? Are there? Yeah, Chesney Hawks. Is Chesney Hawks a celebrity fan? Yeah, David Essex, the late King Olaf of Norway, of course. I didn't know about King Olaf of he Norway. He was evacuated during the war and got a season They ticket. evacuated a king? Yeah, from Norway, yeah. Well, I suppose so. If it, I mean, if it was causing him bother, get him out. To the east end of London, because it would be safer. the worst place. <laughs> it would be safer by the shipyards. Ridiculous place Doesn't to make any it. sense, but he apparently became... Uh, I think we had a minute silence when he died. But sadly, King Harold, his son, doesn't keep up the uh, season ticket. <laughs> He's ignoring that tradition, is he, King <laughs> yeah. Harold? Bit of a shame. Noel Edmonds, of course. Noel Edmonds, Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Ray Winston, um, that little hobbit chap. Really? I don't know. Elijah Wood <laughs> in Elijah Green Wood Street. In Green Street, yeah. Oh, really? So he came round to that, he took that role. What did you think of the film well, what, Green When they Street? filmed Green Street, we, they 
bought um, two rows of seats mm. to do some filming in. Yeah. But I wasn't to tell the crowd that Elijah Wood was in, in the stadium, because obviously during the filming they didn't want people going, Oi, Hobbit! Hobbit, Hobbit! Yeah. yeah, that would have been distracting. So um, we didn't tell them they were there, but... Um, so during the first half, me and uh, my assistant were trying to find him in mm. the ground, and we couldn't find him anywhere. We did a thing called Find Frodo, but like, where's Willie? And we noticed suddenly when there was nothing happening, a whole two rows suddenly went, Wah! like that. That would be Frodo. Because the director had said, do a bit of cheering. Do some cheering And now. then people started pointing. Now, the film Green Street follows a fictionalised uh, hooligan fraternity. I can't imagine who, that, who they would be. Who would that be? Right. But uh, what did you make of that film, Green Street? I didn't think it necessarily represented my team in a very favourable light. Or football no. in general. No, I was a bit embarrassed by it, really. It's an extraordinary business, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I like the, well, the, the accent <laughs> You're of... pointing at me as though I might have endorsed it. I, I, I'm not blaming you no. for that. I'm not suggesting for a moment you had anything to do and with And no hobbits were harmed in that filming. Alas. So, um, okay, Jeremy, why don't we... We'll have a little listen to some music, then we'll come back to this. There's some more offers of love here. We loved you on GLR, please. GLR, that's another radio... That's a rival radio station. It's still part of the BBC family, though. Is it? Yeah. Fine. Jolly, well, I wish them all the best, but uh, you're, you're sadly missed. Thank you very much. Uh, do, where are you working now? Uh, BBC East Midlands Today. Are you? I'm a TV news reporter now. Are you? What's, yeah. Okay, what, what are you reporting on at the moment? Well, um, last week I interviewed um, Gary Wilmot, who's in Peter Pan in Derby. He's playing Captain Hook. I saw him yeah. I saw him perform at the Thameside Theatre in Greys when I was a lad. He yeah. threw um, a packet of crisps at me in the audience. I caught those crisps, ate some crisps, said they're stale, <laughs> threw them back, and that was one of the first funny hey, things. little man. Well, I thought it was good. <laughs> Henry Winkler's in pantomime in London. That's, so that's unusual, Henry isn't it? Wink Henry Winkler, the Fonz in panto, play, playing Captain Hook. Why, Jeremy? I don't know, it's madness, isn't it? What's happening in the world? I don't know. For pity's sake, do something, <laughs> man! Right, okay, so uh, what are we going to listen to now then, Matthew? Credence Clearwater Revival. Is or, that, as Russell calls them. Clearance Blue Water Revival. <laughs> <laughs> We're here with Jeremy Nicholas, your um, announcer at West Ham and East Midlands BBC news reporter. That's right, yeah. What that being outside with a microphone doing that kind of stuff? It's a lot of standing outside with a microphone. Um, I'm doing a profile on Starlight Express in Leicester on Monday. Oh, yeah. So that's quite nice. What's going on? Starlight Express. I went and saw that once. People whizzing around in roller skates. Looks dangerous to that's me, Jeremy. It's that sort of thing, yeah. And <laughs> that's what defines Starlight Express broadly. I basically spent an hour in one of the women's dressing rooms and watched her transform herself into a train. Oh, yeah. She plays um, Ashley the Smoking Carriage. Oh, right, um, yeah, that one depressed me. She coughs, does she? <laughs> yeah. She's got brown. She's got a sort of brown nicotine yeah, stain. She's got a little chimney on her head. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Uh, yeah. She was very nice. Extraordinary vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, Jeremy, the, the chief reason that, that you've come here, and thank God you have. Thank goodness. Was to discuss um, my campaign to, to get uh, more fruity songs sung on terraces. Yeah. Now, what did you think about it as a campaign in general? Well, I thought I, thought I ought to come along and help you, because I know Matt's very keen on the, on the old campaign, really behind it. <laughs> and so I thought I'd better come and help you out a bit. Yeah, because they're both of my cohorts. They're not fruity fans, really, are they? I'm a Trevor is actually Matt's indifferent. Is he? I'm bored to death by all. Yeah, who's your team, Trevor? 
Uh, Liverpool. Oh, right, yeah. Like I say, not really a footy fan. <laughs> well, just no, well done, Jeremy. Well, I've, I've, never, I've never been to see a football team play because I'm too frightened of uh, yeah. other men. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like watching it on television where it's uh, meant to be watched. It feels quite safe. men are little. Yeah. Tiny in there, though. They could do no trouble at all, could they? Now, so what do you think about it as, a, as an idea? As an idea of to get the West Ham fans to sing Upton Park to the tune of Uptown Girl. I wonder why you picked that particular song, you know, because it's a... It's not really a football-y, terracy type I song, I thought the whoa <laughs> bit would be good. Yeah. Well, I thought that might be nice. And also, I thought, you know, I, I think it was random. And then I think I got, obviously, the Upton and Uptown uh, w w was yeah. driving the decision. And then before I knew it, I'd written an article about it in The Guardian. <laughs> I'd mentioned it on Radio <laughs> 2, and it was all too late. Uh, I'd associate myself with it. If you could start again, would you still want to go ahead with it? Or do you, because I could feel you backtracking a bit. Yeah, I was trying to reverse, yeah. really. I, you know, I, I don't know if you heard, Jeremy, but I've bought a hat solely so that I can distance myself from the entire campaign. Right. So I can just go to Upton Park. Can you just put that hat on and see if I still recognise you? You will not recognise me when I'm wearing because that hat. Because you're still going to be a tall bloke with a beard, just without the mad hair. Yeah, so the I, mad so hair is how much defining. hat was. Why do you want to have a hat price? It's ridiculous. How much was it? 50 quid for 50 a hat. 50 quid for a little woolly quid. hat. How much did you get oh, for that? Woolly hat. Oh, you that's ridiculous. That's just like a normal one of them for a fiver. I went there when it got bought. You know, I was very busy <laughs> <laughs> trying to construct careers for all of us. Now, um... See, the thing is, I don't think that you can manufacture a terrorist chant. I think it has to evolve naturally. Like and organically. Paolo Di Canio. Yeah, like when yeah. he when he played for Celtic, he had one song. When he played for Sheffield Wednesday, he had another one. When he played for us, we had the Paolo Di Canio, Paolo Di Canio, yeah. Paolo Di Canio, Paolo yeah. to the tune of Rigoletto by Verdi. And it was easy; everyone remembered the words. Yeah. When he but when he played at Sheffield Wednesday, it was Di I Canio to the tune of Disco by Ottawa. That's quite good. So that like, certain names pro yeah. uh, evoke enjoyable chance because yeah. like both of those are quite good examples good, i yeah. of course remember paolo di canio yeah. but i don't remember the disco version yeah and when he was at celtic i think he had when the ball's in the net if it's not george cadet it's di canio another brilliant chance yeah. everywhere he's gone he's inspired great chance yeah so my reasoning was that if these chants can occur naturally, then, you know, they, I mean, it's still within the mind of an individual. It's still like, because we spoke to that, you know, Frankie Boyle. And, no, what was his, yeah, was it Frankie Boyle? Peter Boyle up at Man United. Mm. And he writes a lot of their chants. And, you yeah. know, he sort of he writes them, hand, does fly a hand he out. He did so that brilliant Gigs Will Tear Us Apart, didn't Gigs he? Gigs to, to uh, Joy yeah. Division, yeah. Yeah. Which is really good. Brilliant, isn't it? So I thought that, you know, so if it, if it's the etymology of a song, you know, ultimately is in, some, in someone's little brain yeah. box. Yeah, but I just, I just wonder if you've picked a song that people are, you know, Billy Joel, I don't see a lot of people <laughs> at this time with <laughs> the Billy Joel t-shirts on, where Joy Division definitely would be a football-y type band. Right, yeah, there's that affiliation. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I tell you, my favourite ever chant was when Eric Cantona left Leeds. Uh, to go to Manchester United, and the, the team that played him next, I think it was Chelsea. You know that the Leeds fans always used to sing, ooh, ah, Cantona. Yes. And the Chelsea fans, with a little bit of knowledge of French, sang, ooh, eh, Cantona. Oh, That's so very good. Where well, is Cantona? That's good, though, That's good. So that, that little, because I, I wouldn't have had the confidence to go along with that. No, you'd assume the French, you know, the, the people go, oh, no, we don't When you're, everyone's yelling that, it must be very hard to, for the players to go, oh, that's what they've done there. It's sound <laughs> the same. That's <laughs> right. No, I think that that sort of syllabic, that, that the change of that one syllable would have been s sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many footballers have got French O-levels. 
Really? You'd be surprised. Surprisingly well. common beyond oh. Brooklyn. Do you remember a guy called Gary Stevens played for Spurs? And then there was a, there was another guy called Gary Stevens played for Everton. Everton, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And and they both played for England about the same time. And so the England fans used to sing, Two Gary Stevens, there's only two Gary Stevens. In a brilliant <laughs> subversion of the only one motif You've that we're it. all familiar with. Yeah. So that, I, Whoever came up with that, I think, is on a winner. Yeah, Upton Park, I'm not sure, but why don't we have a go? Why don't we have you on the pitch at half-time? I'd rather die. No, is that an option? Idea. Could I die? Really Could I kill that. myself? Do Very generous Could idea. I chew through my own arteries no. instead? Pro idea. Probably not tomorrow, because we're unveiling the new manager and we're playing Manchester Right, yeah, Alan Kerbishley's his <laughs> new manager. Strike. But also, guys, I'd like to do a little version of a number I call Upton Park. A one, a two, a <laughs> one, two, three, four. Let's do it with our bums out. I just, I just think, you know, I I think that it might be a bit of a challenge. But you could wear your hat, you'd be completely disguised. Mm -hmm. Completely. No one <laughs> <laughs> no would know who it was. There's a man in a hat over there in the centre of the pitch destroying his career. Yeah, so um, what about, you know, we, we put you in for like a lower key fixture, perhaps Portsmouth on Boxing yeah. Day or something. Brilliant. Yeah, idea. I would like to be there in front of Harry Redknapp and Portsmouth's away support yeah. singing a Billy Joel song. Perfect. <laughs> on, no, on, on my dad's birthday you could wear a Santa hat or something, couldn't you? It sounds like, like a, a lot of festive fun. I think I, I need to very seriously consider what I'm getting myself into, as a matter of fact, Jeremy. Right. Why don't we put it to some kind of a vote on one of the West Ham message boards? Well... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. There's a couple of excellent ones. Knees Up Mother Brown or West Ham Online. Put it on there. Well, and I think, see what they say. Well, I think that could they'll only hasten my departure they'll love it. from they'll that idea. They'll to do it. I think... Let's see what kind of support we get from this radio station. And the Guardian, rather more genteel <laughs> appraisal of the situation. You could wear a Radio 2 t-shirt on the pitch if you want, you know, give you a bit of a publicity. Perhaps I could wear a target on my back as well, <laughs> for people to shoot me in. So, uh, okay, this show's nearly over now. Jeremy, thank you very much for coming here. You've Pleasure. been lovely and insightful. Yeah, it's lovely. It's good to have a bit of a chat yeah. with you. Now, G's here. G's now summarises our radio show in the form of a poem. He is the Poet Laureate of this show. Here he is, Mr G. Okay, this poem is called The Great Divide. They say that the female of the species is more deadly than the male, and men remain little boys forever who don't always call, text, or email. Do we always leave the toilet seat up, impress ladies by getting beaten up, or do we just fall asleep after speaking after we've had a good, fulfilling meal? In the killing fields, Trevor believes that women secretly want men to fight, which is why he had to go all the way to Peru to pull a bird for the night. And Ben chases bees and Charlie welds molten steel, and Matt claims his fighting stance was affected by him wearing high heels. <laughs> so what exactly does it take to be defined as a man? Winning Shagger of the Year or singing Uptown Girl in the Stands? Or does having a whiff of insolence provide you with a masculine magnificence, or are we all just a product of some Y chromosome coincidence? Well done, that's a lovely bit of poetry from Mr G You've got it all in, all the references to the show there, lovely. Thank you very much, that's good. G actually wrote a better version of Uptown. Uh, girl stroke Upton Park. It was just full of violence and swearing, and I think it would have been a more. Uh, I can't believe anyone would write a better one than the version you wrote. Well, it's difficult to imagine, Jeremy. It's scanned, it's beautiful, it's alliteration. It's all there. It's got all, all of the uh, leper's bells of poetry that one might demand. Okay, so that's the end of this fantastic show. Thanks, Mr. G. You've been a fantastic poet, as always, Trevor and Matt. You're a wonderful couple of fellas. Jeremy, you've been a great guest. Whispering Bob Harris next. It's exciting, isn't it? Well, let's have a little listen to him. You've been listening to Russell Brand. This is 88 to 91 FM, Radio 2 from the BBC. BBC Radio 2. Russell Brand.